diving into a, a case that is very sad and tragic, like most every case that we dive into on this show. Before we begin, please go to all of our social media pages, which is the, which are, excuse me, The Other People Show on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and TikTok. Now tonight, we are going to be unraveling the case of Josh Phillips. Now, as you know, this is a show that we, where we dive deep into a lot of these cases, and a lot of these cases could be, uh, I guess you could say that we could go a lot further than we do, and that is very true. These are some of the most difficult cases that I've actually ever done, or shows that I've actually ever done. I've done shows uh, like on the other people's show, Real Talk, and a variety of those type of talk shows. But... In this type of show, facts really do matter when discussing the living and the the dead. So tonight we are going to be discussing the case of Josh Phillips. And if you know anything about this case, this was one of the first cases that I had actually uh, learned about when I was starting to... I guess get into some videos of this this type of thing. Now, this takes place on November 3rd, 1998. And like so many, it was seemingly out of the blue, but this one more so than a lot of them to begin with. It does come out of the blue. So, I do want to tell you a, a captivating and uh, sometimes this sometimes these uh, especially this one is a complex story, um, somewhat of a notable, it turns into a notable criminal case. And in this episode, we discuss the case of Josh Phillips. This is a case that shocked the community and left a lasting impression on those who really followed it. So join us tonight as we delve into, into the details Examine the investigation 
and we seek to understand the motives behind the tragic event. So our story really begins on a seemingly normal, tranquil afternoon in a neighborhood where most family members live in peace, November 3rd, 1998, to be exact. So in November 3rd, 1998, 14-year-old Josh Phillips, he was living in Jacksonville, Florida with his mother and father, Melissa and Steve Phillips. Now, Josh didn't have the easiest childhood. His father was kind of a violent drunk and he was very strict. He didn't want his, his mother or Josh to go outside and really uh, socialize with anyone other than them going to work or school. And often when uh, his father, Steve, got drunk, he would often hurl a violent verbal threats. And, and there's been uh, instances, I think, where there have been um, abuse of some sort. Now, Josh, however, he was nothing more than an average student. He had about a C, C-plus average grades. He had regular friends at school. He never really got into trouble. He seemed to have, other than the, the issues that he had with his father, Steve, the, um, he really had no, no problems. Now, Maddie Clifton, she was Josh's eight-year-old uh, neighbor. She lived next door to the Phillips family and was often uh, kind of a playmate in a way to Josh. Now, this might be seem like a weird thing, but you know, Josh and his family had moved in uh, two years prior. Maddie lived next door and they would play outside, you know, maybe baseball or a, a fun little uh, neighborhood game. So they kind of developed a little bit of a, of a friendship over the years. Um, so Maddie, like I said, Maddie would often play outside and uh, with Josh. So Josh was outside this particular day and Josh was inside doing chores, doing his homework, whatnot, when he, uh, he heard a knock at the door. He looked outside, it was Maddie Clifton next door. He knew that his father, Steve, was going to be home fairly so soon, so he kind of uh, pretty much just shooed her away, you know, go away, go away. But she kept on and was persistent. So as she proceeded, he decided to uh, let's go play baseball in the yard. So he went out and he was pitching the baseball several times, um, you know, to Maddie. And she whipped at the ball, didn't hit it, and things like that. So now it was time for Maddie to pitch to Josh. So Maddie was pitching to Josh, and as she was pitching to Josh, and one of the when he's swinging, he swings, hits the ball, it comes back. Hits her in the face. Hits her in the head. She starts crying and making a scene because he accidentally hit her in the eye with a baseball when he was, uh, you know, batting. So this is from Josh. He claims that she started to bleed, she started to cry, and she started to scream. He panicked. 
He didn't know what to do, so he dragged her inside because he was worried that Steve would get home and be angry that he had someone over to play when no parents were home. So Josh drug Maddie into the house. He claims as he physically drugged her inside the house, the lower half of her clothing, her, her, her shorts and her underwear came off. Once upstairs, she continued to scream and cry. He claims he was in a panic. He didn't know what to do. So when he didn't know what to do, he found a baseball bat and he beat her with the baseball bat, trying to get her to stop. Multiple times, he hit her, hit her with the baseball bat. She was probably uh, very woozy, maybe even passed out from the pain. And this is when he somehow opened up this compartment on the bottom side of his waterbed and shoved her underneath. After that, around six o'clock, his father did arrive home. Nothing, nothing was out of the ordinary. So later in the night, a little, a little while later, Josh was spend, spending some family time with his father and his mother. And as they were sitting there watching TV, Josh heard Maddie. Maddie probably woke up during this time. So he uh, excuses himself to go upstairs. Then he looked and checked and Maddie was still alive. At this point, he cut her, he, he, he got a pocket knife and he cut her throat and stabbed her seven to 12 times. Pushed her back under the, the, the waterbed and went back, went back downstairs, went back downstairs. So later in the day, the Clifton's reported Maddie missing, and police and volunteers and people from the neighborhood, firefighters, had a search party to look for her. Josh even joined in on the search party, which is uh, kind of a similar thing that uh, Eric Smith did in last week's case, joined in on the search party. Josh would later claim that he was would later claim that he was trying to ignore what he had done. Quote, that was my defense for everything as a kid. If something was wrong, ignore it. It will go away. So the night went on. Maddie continued to obviously be missing. Josh has the flyer of Maddie with her smiling face laying on a dresser across from him. Six days pass as Maddie lays dead underneath Josh's waterbed. He, uh, he has multiple air fresheners that he puts out. He lights some incense. Even the police had come around and checked the house on two or three different occasions, but nothing really seemed out of the ordinary. So, 
on the seventh day, November 10th, Josh's mother was cleaning the house. Um, Josh being a teenage boy, teenage boys often have rooms and, and clothing and disgusting things in their, in their room, I would imagine. I didn't as a, a teenage boy, but a lot do. So she was going through, decided to go ahead and, and clean up Josh's room. As she was uh, picking up clothing and stuff, she happened to notice a, a stain coming from beneath Josh's bed. So she went down, noticed the stain, noticed that uh, a piece of the wood, of the side paneling of the waterbed was a little loose. She opened it. She saw what she thought was a sock. So she bent down trying to pull the sock, thinking it was just laundry. As she pulled the sock, she realizes that it's attached to a foot. And she continues to pull and pull and pull a little bit harder. And out comes this body of this little girl, Maddie Clifton. Imagine she's in complete shock. She's in 100% shock. The little girl from across the street, the neighbor, that everyone's been looking for for almost a week. The dead corpse of that little girl, Maddie Clif Clifton, is discovered beneath her son's waterbed. Frantically, she tries to get her husband, Steve, on the phone. And there is audio, if you if you can look up on uh, YouTube, you can find the audio of her 911 call, or of her call to Steve. The next call she made was the call to 911. She couldn't even get out of her mouth to the officers what, what she had found. She, she just couldn't verbalize it because she was in such disbelief and such shock. I mean, can you imagine? Because I really can't imagine that at all. So she calls 911. They come there. This is the fourth time I do believe that they've been there. And then they go and arrest Josh at school. So, once he's arrested, there has never really been a, uh, a reason given other than the ones that I'd stated. But um, upon further examination and investigation, there's a little bit more than meets the eye. So, as we said earlier, Steve was, was often violent and verbally abusive. But he also had a disregard and dislike for young girls. Now, it's never been stated 100% why that he had a disregard for this. And that how, why he didn't like girl, little girls. But he said on multiple occasions to Josh, you do not need to play with this little girl. You do not need to play with Maddie Clifton. 
Okay, I could, guess I could understand that. You know, you wouldn't want your 14-year-old boy to be playing with this 8-year-old girl. I guess I could understand that. What also is very odd, though, is that there was no trace of blood on Maddie from a baseball. Or any of the baseballs that they happened to find in Josh's room or outside on his property, none of those baseballs had anything even indicating that they'd hit someone. No blood, no scratches, nothing like that. There was no dirt on Maddie, which indicates that she wasn't dragged inside, like Josh had said. No abuse of any sexual nature was ever found. However, Maddie did have an older sister who was 11 or 12, and there was a picture of her that they found in Josh's room. Which means that Josh had to have, at some point, when, when he was over at Maddie's, steal the picture. Now, there was no denying that Josh committed the murder. The body was found under his bed. So obviously, he is the one that committed the murder, 100%. On July 6th, 1999, the trial for Maddie Clifton's murder er, started. Anthony Richard Nicholas defended Josh Phillips, and Nicholas's strategy was considered abnormal as he did not call a single witness to the stand nor did he even allow Josh to testify. His whole argument hinged on the closing, uh, his whole testament and argument hinged on the closing argument that murder was an act that began as an accident and deteriorated through panic that bordered on madness. Now, I guess I could see that if this has really happened, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm playing devil's advocate here, on Josh's behalf. Now, what was done, what he did was completely wrong. There was no doubt about that. Wrong decision after wrong decision. Impulsive decision after impulsive decision. Acting emotionally and then acting emotionally making it worse and worse and worse. Did Josh hit Maddie with the baseball? We don't know. We only know that he said that he did. There was also images and videos that he had watched on his computer earlier, violent and sexual in nature, prior to this happening. Did that play a role in his decision-making? Did he seek out to do this to someone and Maddie just happened to be there? Now, the, uh, we don't know the answer to a lot of these questions. We only know what Josh and the evidence has told us, which contradict one another. But you also have to take into consideration that he was a young kid, early teenage years when this happened as well. The state attorney, Harry Shortstein, made an argument that the murder may have been sexually motivated even though there was no evidence. 
he did point out some of the conflicting evidence and arguments, which is what we stated earlier. There was no dirt on Maddie's lower body. That would be consistent with the story that Josh drug her. There was no blood on the baseball. There was no blood in the backyard. And Maddie's older sister claimed that Josh would talk about sex with both her and Maddie. So there was not any real conclusive evidence. Josh had his brain scans taken from a neurologist that showed he had lesions on his frontal lobe. The lesions were in a spot that could, in theory, impair his judgment and induce panic and high stress. But couldn't anyone? I don't know. You be the judge. The judge did not allow that evidence to be weighed in the jury's decision, and the trial only lasted two days. The jury came to a decision within two hours of deliberating. Guilty of first-degree murder. Guilty. Josh Phillips was sentenced to life in prison without parole, as he was too young at the time to receive the death, death penalty. Now, since his trial, there has been uh, multiple appeals for the case. Josh has since got his GED, and he, uh, he works on with counseling uh, other inmates, and he's looking into uh, taking the bar exam soon. Um, the Supreme Court declared sentencing juveniles to life in prison without parole is unconstitutional which is one of the biggest factors in his upcoming resentencing in his 2023 trial. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that Joshua Phillips killed Maddie Clifton. But why did he kill him? It should his young age, brain lesions, lesions, I guess, and model prison behavior be taken into account for his 2023 sentencing. It's hard to say. I can't really say that. And I can't really begin to understand what any of the people that were involved in this case it, it was really tough for those people. Josh's father, Steve, he died in an uh, automobile accident about a year and a half later. Maddie's parents ended up not being able to uh, continue their marriage, and they ended up divorcing several years after this event took place. Maddie's sister still owns the property that her younger sister owned. I mean, not owned, but that her younger sister lived in. She says she's going to keep it around for her memory. The memory of lost youth. The memory of the life that was taken 
the emotional impact by those with those, you know, those with those involved. But thank you all tonight for joining me in going through the intricacies of the Josh Phillips case. I do hope the dark place has shed some light on these events, the investigation, the impact on the community. Join us next time for another edition of The Dark Place. Have a good night. Good night, everyone.